the explosive new film, Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost, exposes secrets behind the government's takedown of General Michael Flynn. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. He told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for Donald Trump to hire. They had to get rid of Flynn. Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost. Available now. Watch it today. Go to SalemNow.com. SalemNow.com. Coming up this hour, why do so many American Christians think that the Christian faith will bring happiness and prosperity? And then how can we as Christians support and encourage our friends and family who have served in the military? We're going to talk to Pastor Raul Reese about that. Coming up next here on The Common Good. Happy Friday, everybody. Welcome to The Common Good here on AM 1160, Hope for Your Life. Alongside Aubrey Sampson, my name is Brian Fromm. Hope that you've had a great week. We're now looking squarely into Memorial Day weekend here and uh, a certainly a time to celebrate. It has been a great week. Uh, Rich Stearns wrote this. and I just thought this was such an important, uh, just this is an evergreen topic that I feel like we're tackling at our church. You probably tackle at your church. We talk a lot about here on the show. Let me read his tweet. He said this. Why do so many American Christians think about the Christian faith or think that the Christian faith will bring happiness and prosperity? Mm-hmm. The fact that 11 of the 12 disciples died as martyrs should tell us something about the kind of commitment God demands. God calls us to obedience, not happiness. All right. So much Mm -hmm. that I want to unpack there, Aubrey. But first, how about just the question he starts with? Do you think that's the right question? Do you think he's right that many American Christians think that the Christian faith will bring happiness and prosperity? I certainly think it depends what ecclesiological circle you come from. There are more folks in certain denominations that are bent on prosperity um, and a prosperity gospel than others. So I, I think it kind of just depends on your church circle. I don't know what the, I don't know what the percentage is, right? Cause I feel like I walk in circles of people who don't necessarily believe in a prosperity gospel. But then I will say I've got lots of friends, perhaps in the Pentecostal world or, um, other denominations that do. So I, I don't exactly know how many do, but certainly there is a demographic that does. Absolutely. And just some background, if you want to know who Richard Stearns is, uh, he's done a lot of things, but he's most known for having been the president of World Vision. Uh, so World Vision, you know, International Christian mm-hmm. Relief Charity uh, from 1998 to 2018. So that's who Rich Stearns is. But I saw a lot of people retweeting this. I do think you're right that it does de- depend on kind of our background. Now, I will say this. I think a lot of us uh, Christians uh, will disagree with with his premise here in theory, but actually live as if we believe it. Uh, yeah, uh, that's true. Because oftentimes the questions of like when suffering comes and we're like, God, how could you right. allow this? That sort of speaks of that we expected life to be happy and prosperous. Yeah, I've said uh, this to in sermons before to our church that I believe that we are not promised prosperity and happiness. But then when I've had hard times, I've prayed things like, come on, God, I'm on your team. I'm a pastor. I'm this. I'm that. Like, I deserve better than this. And like you said, I think that that then says that we 
have a sort of expectation underlying that says, Certainly. I deserve better than this. Certainly. You, I deserve happiness. Do you find his then answer to it about the disciples? We know that 11 of the 12 disciples died as martyrs. And before you think that what the other one had an easy life, the one uh, is John. And John was boiled, history tells us, in hot oil, didn't die, and then was sent to the island of Patmos. Uh, right. And so he did not – it's not like John had his feet up while the other 11 got harder, right? <laughs> right, right, exactly. But John had it badly as well. And so I do I, – I, before I ask you, I find it compelling to go, wait a minute. Those who were closest to Jesus, uh, those who literally walked with him, all of uh, all of them – it brought on greater um, pain in their lives to the point of martyrdom and death. Like right. I do find that really compelling. I don't necessarily keep that front of mind. Uh, but when we actually think about the early church, the earliest disciples, or Stephen, or Paul, like yeah, right, one after right. the other, after the other, right. I think it's compelling that from day one, to be a Christian meant to suffer. Uh, and obviously, the greatest example of that is Jesus. Jesus. But to be a Christian suffered. Therefore, don't you agree with this statement? We should not only we should not only not expect happiness and prosperity, but we should expect suffering and hard times. I, I definitely think we forget, and we want to forget because it's not an easy call. That the call is to pick up your cross. The call is to come and die. The call is this cruciform life. And the the call also, and the promise is that it's, we talked about this earlier this week. It is through suffering that the Lord forms us and makes us more like his son, Jesus. But I think balanced with that, on the other hand, has to also be the reality that we have a good God who, you know, we know how uh, Matthew talks about how many of you, if you ask you know, if, if your child asks for bread, you're not going to yep. give them a stone. If they ask for fish, you're not going to give them a snake. How much more does your heavenly father want to give generously to you? Like he gives good gifts to those who ask him. And so I think the reality is, is that in our suffering, the promise is that we have God with us still lavishly loving us. And that one day it may not happen on earth, but one day we will experience the ultimate joy and prosperity of being with Jesus. But I think that's what we forget. The promise is not prosperity on earth. The promise is Jesus Christ himself. He is the treasure that we are after. And he's enough. Like we don't need Jesus and money. We don't need Jesus and whatever favor on this earth. We need Jesus. Like he's the gift. And of course, that's harder. You know, that's easier said than done. But the Holy Spirit, I think, can remind us of that so that we can keep going. That's well put. I think it's one of the paradoxes of the Bible is that it says uh, in this world, you will have suffering. So suffering's coming and you will have abundant life. You will have joy. You will have peace. And and that's only a working of the Holy Spirit. And when we believe a theology that says, because I have Jesus, I won't suffer ever. I won't ever Mm -hmm. have pain in this Mm -hmm. world. I will, I will never be, you know, I'll not get sick. I'll not get, but well, then when you get sick, your theology is going to crumble. That's what makes the prosperity gospel so dangerous. Exactly, exactly. Is that when life is not prospering in the ways that we think it should, well, now it's God's fault. And right. uh, that either speaks to God's um, God's uh, absence or that he's not who he said he is when that's never a promise that was made. Instead, it says, 
you will have trouble, but Jesus says, I will be with you always. And in me, you'll have abundant life. Like that's mm-hmm. where, that's where we could put our hope. So I thought this was a important way to start our day today because it's a dangerous theological thing, uh, that many of us fall into. Well, coming up next, uh, Pastor Raul Reese, he's the pastor of Calvary Chapel Golden Springs in Diamond Bar, California. He also, you can hear him right here at 3 p.m., right before our show on AM 1160. Pastor Raul Reese hosts Somebody Loves You. We're going to talk about Memorial Day and military service and how we as the church uh, can can encourage and support those in our lives who have served. Uh, he shares his testimony, much of his military service in his book, From Fury to freedom. Pastor Raul Reese is going to join us next here on The Common Good. AM 1160, hope for your life. Hey friends, welcome back to The Common Good here on AM 1160, hope for your life. Alongside Aubrey Sampson, my name is Brian Fromm, and we are thrilled to be joined by a teammate, Aubrey. That's right. A teammate, uh, that is Pastor Raul Reese. Uh, you can hear him on Somebody Loves You, which is weekdays at 3 p.m. So just before, just our, before show, our show, weekdays at 3 p.m. on AM 1160. Pastor Raul, how are you? Thanks for joining us today. Great. Thank you. It's a pleasure to be with you guys. <laughs> yes, yes. The pleasure is absolutely ours. Hey, before we get into all the stuff we want to talk to you about, uh, I briefly introduced you, but could you more fully introduce yourself to our audience so they can get to know you a little bit? Sure. My name is Raul Reese. I'm a pastor of Calvary Chapel Golden Springs in Diamond Bar in California. And it's always a pleasure to to talk with people, you know, especially when you see how much is happening. You know, there's so many things happening in the world. Mm-hmm. But I thank you guys at uh, in the station for having me on. We are so happy to have you and so jealous that you're in California. I would love to be there with you. Um, Pastor Raul, we know that uh, you wrote a book called From Fury to Freedom. You talked about how you came to Christ. I would just love to hear your testimony. Well, you know, well, I, I'm about 40, let's see, 1972. I had come home from, just uh, yes, I've been really, I was in Vietnam. I was a veteran. Mm-hmm. I spent six months locked up in Oakland Naval Hospital, wow. which is no longer there because I think I went to Vietnam. And then they released me. I got, uh, my wife was in school with me, Sharon, and so she started visiting me at the Oakland River Hospital. She'd been writing to me in uh, Vietnam. We fell in love with each other. Mm. She got pregnant. We got married. And then for the next four years, I abused her verbally and physically. Then mm. mm. one day come home to kill her, my kids, and Christ touched me to Pastor Chuck Smith. Wow. 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 Thinking about uh, your military service, uh, what were some of the effects, as you said, of the time you spent in Vietnam and then coming home? What were some of those long-term effects that you maybe dealt with uh, that caused all of that struggle? Well, first of all, I was, uh, when I left Vietnam, they released me a month before my time was up because I was having a lot of problems mentally mm. for the things that I did, the things we went through. Mm. So that's when they uh, allowed me to go to El Clinical Hospital. I had a lot of the emotional problems, a lot of anger in my mm. life, a lot of anger. And so when I went to that hospital, you know, it was like a therapy place, and I hate therapy. So <laughs> they had to really kind of uh, tie me up because I was very violent. And so mm. finally, uh, six months later, they decided to dismiss me. I was for four years, 
and I spent two years, and they gave me an honorable discharge, you know, two years before I would be dismissed because of my situation. Mm. Wow. Thinking about that, by the way, you're a veteran. Thank you so much for your service. I don't know if, I don't know if we said mm-hmm. that, but we're so grateful for you. But it does Thank make you. me think about um, other folks that are in the military, and how do you think we, especially as church pastors or just church goers, can help can serve those in the military who have been through such difficult things? Well, I gather together with a lot of veterans, and I share my testimony with them, I give them my movie, and they're taking the hill, and then if they have any questions, you know, we get together. Also, I'm a chaplain for the sheriffs here, and I meet with these guys, you know, so they're having situation or problem. They talk to me about their situation and problem, and it's been so neat to see that other officers, other veterans have called me, and I get to deal with them all the time. Mm. Yeah. Uh, and Pastor Raw, you are now a pastor, obviously. Uh, I'm wondering, yes. so, so you were telling us your story there in a really difficult thing, and then you come to Christ. Help us understand the rest of your story, how you ended up as a pastor, because that's a that's a quite the move of the Holy Spirit there to end up where you were to end up uh, pastoring a very large church out there in California. Yes, also a martial artist for the last 50 years. That's I, cool. I, I was, <laughs> yeah, I have my comfort studio before I got saved, and I was doing really great, you know, with the money and the whole thing. And then I got saved, and I thought God was going to take away, you know, my talent and, mm-hmm. and give it gave to me in the martial arts. But he gave it back to me, so I used it. Like when I went to China, I went to Okinawa, different places, I used my martial arts to get to people that don't want to hear the gospel. Mm. Wow. Wow, that's amazing. So um, tell us about your documentary, because you mentioned it, we mentioned it at the top of the hour, Taking the Hill. would love to hear more about that. Yeah. Well, what happened is that I hadn't seen these four guys, actually three guys for the last 40-some years, and I was getting ready to do a documentary. So I went back to Vietnam, which I should have never gone back, and mm-hmm. really, it didn't help me. And I came home, and somehow... Uh, the military was checking some things that I had said to make sure they were legitimate. But what I, I didn't know is they already had got a hold of these guys to make sure that I wasn't bragging or doing anything like that. So God used that for me to make contact with them for them to be in my documentary. So they got together. We went to the wall for the first time I ever went, and it really affected all four of us, you know. Mm. And so we had 41 guys that we lost. Mm. And so so what happened is, you know, they came to the documentary, we filmed the documentary, and God used it and continues to use that documentary because we give our stories separate, so we make sure we're not lying. And then when they got the document together, it was the same story. Yeah. Wow. What was it like to see those guys again for the first time? Like, take us into that moment where you first uh, reconnected because you guys had such a background uh, built in a lot of pain and struggle and this uh, the, being over in Vietnam together, what was it like? Take us back to that moment where you reconnected with those guys. I reconnected. Well, we were going to the wall, but they weren't with me. We connected in the airports, and it was just an incredible time. People mm. looked at us because we hugged each other. We were crying, Aww. and it was really amazing for each one of us. And we went to the wall in Washington together. You know, it just affected us, and it brought us unity more thinking about those things that happened to us and share the gospel with these guys and share how God's forgiven me and how he could forgive him and any veteran that would come to Christ. Mm. Wow, that's amazing. 
Pastor Rell, I'm just wondering, thinking about that beautiful moment of you all hugging each other and supporting each other, how can we encourage and support friends and family members who serve in the military? You know, I, first of all, I would be honest. If you know anybody you can talk to, you know, you, you don't bring back the past, you know. Mm. But tell them what the present, what you're doing now, what Christ has done in your life. And as you speak of the present, you know, allow the Holy Spirit to speak, just like my friends, to speak to them. And two of them came to know the Lord. One of them had lost both of his legs, which I carry into the chopper, and he came to know the Lord. And he died uh, two, uh, three months ago. He passed away in the Lord. There's another one in New York City, Peter Catelli, that's company of the Lord. We keep in touch all the time. And then the other one is in Arizona, uh, and he hasn't known the Lord yet. Mm. Okay. Again, Pastor Raul Reese. He is a pastor of Calvary Chapel Golden Springs in Diamond Bar, California. He is also a, a teammate of ours here at AM That's 1160. Right. You can hear Pastor Raul on Somebody Loves You weekdays at 3 p.m. right here on AM 1160. Again, you can hear him on Somebody Loves You weekdays at 3 p.m. on AM 1160. And Pastor Raul, I'd love to ask you about uh, your radio show. Uh, why do you do it? What's some of the fruit that you've seen over the years of doing Somebody Loves You? Well, first of all, feeding the flock of God, you know, and then secondly, a lot of people coming to know the Lord Jesus Christ, which is so and touching people that have never heard, you know, my accent. <laughs> my, <laughs> you know, my, my mom's from New York. She was born in New York. My father was Mexican-German. I was born in Mexico City. Uh, for t- t- at the age of 10, I came to America, and my accent never left me. <laughs> <laughs> That's awesome. That's fantastic. I love that. So it's been, for me, it's been a real, real neat thing. God knows why. You know, you know, as a matter of fact, you know, I don't tell people this, but because of Chuck Norris and these guys, I got placed in the in the Hall of Fame about three years ago, which is really, I never <gasps> expected. And I really thank these guys for allowing me to be there. That's mm-hmm. amazing. Can you talk to us more about that? Uh, what Hall of Fame was that, and how did that happen? Yeah, here in L.A., they have this, uh, the Hall of Fame. They call me one day, and uh, they say, hey, they're going to put you in the Hall of Fame. <laughs> I said, are you kidding me? Because I did with, uh, with uh, Chuck Norris a long time, you know, and so we talked about it. So they called me. I went to this dinner, and at this dinner, they called me, and they gave me this, uh, not a trophy, but a glass Hall of Fame um, kind of a trophy, and I was just blown away that, you know, that I was honored to be in the martial arts, taught by Jimmy H. Wu, and then to be placed in the uh, in the Hall of Fame. That is cool. <laughs> That's really Very awesome. Very cool. You just said you know Chuck Norris. That's unbelievable. Yeah, you just, yes, said, <laughs> you just said that like that was no big deal. <laughs> <laughs> no, yeah, I've been pretty lucky to have a Lord, you know, what he's done, what he's doing. That's right. I give all the credit to the Lord Jesus Christ. Amen. Amen. And as we've been talking about, you are a pastor. And Pastor Raul, this has been a really hard year. Aubrey and I are both pastors as well. This has been such a weird and difficult year with the pandemic. And so I would love to know how how has it been for you as a pastor? And how have you been encouraging your congregation throughout this pandemic over the last 15 months or so? Well, you know, when this came about, you know, the, uh, we had a person from the city come and see if we had our church open. We, I never closed the church. I, as a matter of fact, I bought a tent to mm. put it outside. Mm. And so we were wearing the mask, you know, outside and inside. But presently, the Lord has really opened the door. We're not wearing the mask anymore. And it's been so neat to see people that have left. 
are coming back and new people coming now. And because I am on the Internet, people are writing in from India, from Spain, from all over the place with our program. That is absolutely incredible. What an encouragement. Pastoral, thinking about Memorial Day coming up next week, wondered if you would do two things for us. One, would you tell us how we can pray for those who are serving in the military? And then would you take some time to actually offer a prayer for those who are sure. listening and are in the military? Sure. You know, I, I want to thank you guys for serving the Lord and being in the military. And I will share with you guys that you guys are in my prayers and as you continue to serve our country, this is a beautiful country that God has given to us. And, you know, 57,000, uh, you know, Americans died in Vietnam. And then World War One, World War II, Korea. And, you know, and then, and then actually then in Iraq. And then we have all these guys in the military summit today. Thank you. Thank you so much. We love you. And we're going to continue to pray for you. Amen. Uh, how can those of us who have never been in the military uh, best pray for those who are in the military because myself, you know, I'm a little younger, have never served in the military. And so yeah. I hear your stories and I'm like, that's unbelievable, but I can't really connect to them very well because I've yeah. never experienced. So uh, what would you say to somebody like me or to Aubrey, who's never been in the military? How can we not only be supportive, but what specifically can we pray for those who have been in the military? You can pray for those guys, you know, where, where they're heading. You know, what country, uh, being at home to, their marriages, mm. you know, being alone, uh, their uh, thinking, their hearts, all these emotional feelings they have, you can pray for them and pray and thank God that they're in the military. Mm-hmm. Okay, that's really good. That's really helpful. Um, Pastor, just thinking about the church at large right now, especially after the year we've all been through, are you hopeful for the future of the church? I mean, you want me to be honest, this is what I see and what I feel, that the church needs to do everything they can today because tomorrow might be a different day, mm. you know, with our government, especially where we're heading. And I was sharing with the crowd, I share with my church all the time, that it could be possible that we, they could take our rights away, you know, and that we could go back to the home mm. or whatever it may be. So we've never, you know, this generation has never been there. And we need to prepare these young people. I heard that about 57% or something like that of the young generation, the millennials, they don't really want to know God. And I'm praying it will open that door for me to share with them or anybody else to share with them the love of Jesus Christ. Amen, amen. Amen. Pastor Al, it's been so good to have you with us. Let me ask you one more question before we let you go. Somebody's out there, someone's out there right now, they're listening, and they totally get what you're saying because they have a friend or a loved one. Uh, who's kind of far from God. You know, they, they are their heart breaks for their loved one, their friend. Yes. Could you offer a word of encouragement to that person who is right now struggling and praying for that person who's close to them, but maybe far from God? Sure. Don't ever give up. Love them and love them and love them and pray and pray for them. And God will bless you through that. Amen. Amen. Again, Pastor Raul Reese is the pastor of Calvary Chapel Golden Springs in Diamond Bar, California. Uh, he is also a Vietnam veteran and uh, has out a documentary that we encourage you to go get your hands on. It's called Taking the Hill. You can also find his website, somebodylovesyou.com. That's somebodylovesyou.com. And you can hear Pastor Rawl on Somebody Loves You weekdays at 3 p.m. right here on AM 1160. Again, that's Somebody Loves You weekdays at 3 p.m. 
on AM 1160. Pastor Rawl, it is so good to talk to you. As we said, you're a teammate here on AM 1160. Uh, so it is really good to meet you. And now we found out today that you know Chuck Norris. So that's pretty unbelievable. That's amazing. And thank you so much for your work that you guys do and your service to the Lord. And may God continue to bless you and to keep you in his love. Absolutely. Thank you Thank for that. You for and that. we pray we pray the same thing for you again. That's Pastor Raul Reese. Hear him on AM 1160 at 3 p.m. each weekday on Somebody Loves You. Pastor Raul, have a great day. It's great to meet you. Thanks Thank so much you. for joining yeah, us. Yeah, thanks for being here. Thank you so much. You are listening to The Common Good on AM 1160. Hope for your life. Hey friends, welcome back to The Common Good, AM 1160, Hope for Your Life. Alongside Aubrey Sampson, my name is Brian Fromm. Glad to have you with us on this Friday afternoon. Hope you're looking forward to a wonderful weekend. Uh, it has been good to have you with us this week. Aubrey, sometimes Twitter can feel like a cesspool. It can just feel like... <laughs> <laughs> the place where good intentions There's some go truth to, to that. Yep. And sometimes, you know, we've had we've had people on this week talking about the need to protect yourself around social media mm-hmm. and other places. Mm-hmm. But what I do love about Twitter and uh, and Facebook and other things are are seeing clips of things or seeing. Um, People talk about things that maybe you wouldn't have seen before. Right. Uh, and so there's a guy by the name of John Gordon. A lot of you probably know who John Gordon is. He is a uh, he's written 23 books, 11 of which are best selling. Good for him. So you're an author. Why don't you have 11 time? Was, Why are you not I, at 11 time? I was time? asking that question in my head, but I wasn't going to say it out loud. So thank you, Brian, for that. Let me ask you as an author, what gets you to be able to say best selling? Is it like this has to be on a list? Is there a particular list? Can you get on any list you want? Uh, I think typically when people say best selling they at Amazon you've been at a certain rank for a certain period of time but I suppose there's a New York Times bestseller right. list there's different bestseller lists okay yeah the louder song have we uh I mean the louder song was at number one and two in wait for the category Christian death <laughs> for a time so it actually was considered bestseller for a few weeks so that was hold really on. exciting yeah hold, hold on a second <laughs> it was literally the category was called Christian the Death the category was called Christian Death and the louder song debuted at number one and number two for several weeks in Christian Death do you have any remembrance <laughs> of what was number one besides yours um oh I should remember but I don't. Sadly. That is yeah. awesome. Yeah, isn't that funny? Christian, Christian Death. Death. Sorry, dark, dark. I but... dominated the categories when the book first came out. <laughs> you You're welcome, everybody. <laughs> you need a bumper sticker that says number one in Christian Death. <laughs> number one and number two in <laughs> Christian Death. I do. <laughs> that, I would buy that t shirt. That isn't that is funny? awesome. That is awesome. Okay, well, John Gordon, he is an 11 time best selling author. Maybe one of those was in Christian Death uh, of his 23 books called Like Energy Boss or Power of Positive Leadership. He's a leader guy mm-hmm. uh, and a lot of like hey belief in yourself a lot of that kind of stuff in which uh, talking about how to be a better leader of a company or a church yeah. or whatever yeah. ever, whatever else it might be well uh, I found this uh, short part of one of his speeches that he gave I want us to listen to it because I do think there's some inspiration in here for all of us also just a wonderful quote so let's listen to John Gordon here and then we'll discuss it I want to encourage you to post a sign that says, no energy vampires allowed. (laughs) It's true, not everyone is going to see what you see. Not everyone is going to share your vision. Not everyone is going to believe what you believe. But what I've learned is that your positive energy must be greater than all their negativity. Your certainty, your faith, and your belief must be greater than all the negative energy and doubt. 
Gandhi said, I will not let anyone walk through my mind with their dirty feet. And neither should you. Don't allow it. That's a great, uh, that, that last quote, Gandhi says, never let anybody walk through your mind with their dirty feet. Mm. I struggle with this sometimes, right? Like I can, I can hone in on people's, to use his phrasing, negative energy towards yeah. me. I can hone in on people's critiques of me yeah. or something like that. And so when I hear these things, I, I A, find them helpful and B, find them like, Ooh, how exactly do you do that? Mm-hmm. You know, because it sounds good. So uh, let's start broadly. Your takeaway as you listen to what John Gordon had to say there. Yeah, I I do think about how sometimes in life, especially in leadership, the those people who want to critique or have a lot of negative opinions or a lot of thoughts about the way you should be doing your job, X, Y, Z, they can wind up taking a lot of your mental energy, your physical energy, your time, because you maybe genuinely want to care for them and want to hear them out and want to maybe show like, well, actually, I am doing a good job. See things from my perspective. But I, I do think there's some wisdom here in going, what if you actually put your energy towards, your best energy towards the people who aren't going to like suck your life out? Yes. <laughs> you know what I mean? And and not to say you don't, you're not with the naysayers or the critiquers, but perhaps you, you schedule your life in such a way that you're giving your best energy to the people who are like, That's right. go uh, have the, uh, on the same bus you're on, you know, not driving in the opposite direction. Yes. It's going to be hard to do in leadership. What do you think about that? I, th- I find it particularly difficult to do because uh, what's the old saying that the squeaky wheel gets the oil. oil right? yeah. And yep. so I almost said squeaky oil gets and I, I got what I got it. I got it. Squeaky wheel gets the oil because yep. a lot of times we have to, we feel like we need to give our most energy towards those people uh, who are who are you know upset or discontent, and your your original your initial feeling can be like, gosh, is everybody feeling this way? Yes. And, and I, I you just end up go, just bogged down, going, man, am I just the worst leader right. possible? Right. Because when really it's just a couple loud voices. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, and I've always respected people who could say, you know what, I'm going to listen to that, process it. Um, but I, then I'm going to like push that out and mm-hmm. keep going. Mm-hmm. And I kind of, I, you know, for me, I can struggle with the keep going. I can want to circle back to like, did we cover that? Are you okay? Are we, Are we Yeah. And I don't have to do this again. So yeah. maybe I shouldn't move this ball forward. Maybe we should just sit here for yeah. a little bit. It's, uh, it can become paralyzing. And, and then that Gandhi quote, man, that's a powerful one about not letting people with dirty feet walk through your thoughts or mm. however exactly he said it. Right. Like, how would you ask tell people how do you actually do this? How do you you're a pastor? Yeah. You've written books yes. as well with you know, where people have opinions on yes. them. You speak. What yes. How how do you actually get to the point in your life where you hear critique, you uh-huh. grow from it, but you don't become paralyzed by it, but instead you can kinda all right. I put it now over here and I'm going yeah. to keep going where yeah. I believe God has called me and I need more positivity than the other negativity around me. I feel like I've maybe said this on the show before, but it bears repeating like a mantra that I started sort of living by a couple years ago was I I want to have tough skin, but a tender heart. Mm. I don't want to ever lose that tenderness of heart. I don't want to become callous and bitter and cold, but I do want to have tough skin because the reality is anyone in leadership gets critique. And especially just from a female perspective, especially doing some of the things that people don't think I ought to, for yeah. instance, preaching, you get a lot of feedback that is not really fun. Yeah. And um, so I, that's just like, okay, Lord, help me have your tender heart, but also that tough skin so that I know who I am in you, Lord, and that's all that matters. Yeah. Um, and then I think practically I tend to schedule, you know, lots of people want to spend time with you as leader. 
and I think you just have to decide, okay, I can give this amount of person, this person, this amount of time mm-hmm. and that's it. And then I got to move on and yep. g- give to the people who are actually like life giving, energizing. How do you do it? I, I've already told you I struggle with yeah, this. Like, my my follow up question was literally going to be, uh, why is critique so hard? But I think the answer is very natural. Like we want to be liked, right? We, oh, want, we yeah. want everybody cheering us on. Yes. We want to go, Hey, keep going, guy, keep going. And and that becomes hard when, when not everybody feels that way for yeah. me. Uh, we talk about this a lot here on the show. The, the answer for me becomes to not take myself so seriously there and, and my, my one position at my church. So seriously, yeah. like, Hey, you know what? This is going to sound flippant, but you know, my kids love me. My wife loves yeah. me. Uh, you know, five years from now, uh, somebody That's once said, what's gonna matter. Yeah. And I love my church. I love that. But somebody did say, you know what? If you were to die tomorrow, they're going to start looking for your replacement. They're going to find another pastor. Yeah. Right. <laughs> to which I jokingly said, so will my wife. Right. <laughs> uh, but you got to keep things in perspective. Uh, yeah, that that's good. That's good. If you've listened to this show at all, you know that's me speaking not from a point of strength. <laughs> like from that you, that's one. your area of weakness. But, yeah. but that is important. I thought that would be a, a good, good thing to listen to as we go into our weekend, if for nothing else, for that quote from Gandhi. Well, coming up next, Aubrey and I are going to look towards the fall. Interestingly, New York City is eliminating remote learning for the fall. Is that uh, the right thing to do? What do we think schools are going to be looking like? And most of all, as parents, what do we hope they look like? Coming up next here on The Common Good, AM 1160, hope for your life. Coming up this hour, what do Aubrey and I as parents feel like schools need to look like in the fall? And then it's our favorite. It's a top five list. You're listening to The Common Good. Hey, everybody. Welcome back to The Common Good here on AM 1160, Hope for Your Life. Alongside Aubrey Sampson, my name is Brian Fromm. So glad to have you with us today on this Friday. It is almost the weekend. And what people don't know is you're losing it. You are just (laughs) losing it. It's Friday. I can't even barely look up. Memorial Day weekend. Yes. (laughs) Memorial Day weekend. What's on the plans? Uh, You know, Hannah Granowski, who's a board member here at the station, is getting married. And Kevin and I are doing her and her fiance's wedding. We're performing it. So we are off. You're doing the wedding. Yeah, yeah. So we are off to get them married, get them hitched. Oh, you're both doing the wedding. Yeah, we're both doing the wedding. We do a lot of tag team weddings. What does that look like? Um, I do the homily or what other people call the message. And Kevin usually does. It's always a homily. In a a wedding, it's a homily. It's a homily. Uh, And Kevin does sort of the rundown of like the welcome and the vows. I know he has the easy party. Oh, he does. He always says it. But I've mentored Hannah for years, this young woman. And so I'll get to do a nice little personal homily. All right. As one pastor to another. Yes. Uh, no one's listening. Okay. <laughs> do you use the same homily basically for every wedding that you do? Uh, I, yeah, but with, I have two or three that I rotate between. And then, of course, throw in personal stories if we know them well. Okay. But yeah, the same basic outline. Do you? Or do you write a new one every time? 100%. It's the same, same one. one. Yeah. Yes. <laughs> yeah. And again, if you know them well, you use some stories and stuff. Uh yeah, I, in fact, once gave another pastor my, uh, he was like, hey, can I see what you normally say? And yeah. then I was at the wedding and it was verbatim. Yeah, Kev- Kevin has loaned his out and Kevin has borrowed. So I think all pastors do this it's at weddings. It's great. And there's only so many. And when you know you have a good one, you're like, okay, I want to I want to let, yeah, I, I, I know use this it. will land well in a wedding. How long do you speak at a wedding? Because I this is a big bugaboo for me. This is uh, this is something I don't like. I try only to do five minutes Thank or so you. because long, no one wants a long wedding ceremony. I was once at a wedding 
in which the pastor did a 25 minute I've homily. been at those two and they're horrifying. Horrible. You want to die. Five minutes, seven minutes if you seven got a good minutes story. Tops. Yeah, yeah, I agree. Uh, absolutely. Same with funerals. Nobody wants to be there for a while. Yep. There you go. There's some pastoral insight for you from You're welcome, Brian ladies and, and gentlemen. We'll have fun at the wedding. That'll be a lot of fun. I'm excited. What are you doing this weekend? What do I do every weekend? Baseball. Baseball, baseball, baseball. baseball, baseball. baseball. Yes, it'll be a lot of fun. But then uh, hoping to get in a pool at some point. Nice, and just nice. enjoy the weekend. And uh, maybe you don't know this about me. One of my dreams every weekend is to just mow the lawn. Oh, in your I Blossom t-shirt. Love to, sure. I love to mow the lawn. And so looking forward to that this weekend, hopefully, as well. That is something I don't think I knew about you. Brian loves to mow the lawn. You're welcome to come over to my house anytime with your lawnmower. I would bet your husband likes to mow the lawn. No, he does not. But he likes to send my oldest kid out to mow the lawn. I, I do have that. But there's something, and then we'll move on. There's something about... Just being alone, listening to something, yeah. sweating a little bit. Like, I, I like that. I understand I mean, that. Your husband's running a triathlon, so he doesn't need yeah, that. Yeah, he's got so. his other sort of... I, I like <laughs> mulching the yard for that reason. It's like getting your hands dirty, sweating, and accomplishing a task. It feels good. I like weeding. I do. Yeah. See? That's things you didn't know about us. Okay. So an interesting thing came out of New York City earlier this week. Mayor Bill de Blasio uh, was speaking about... Uh, reopening the schools in the fall. Mm-hmm. If you know anything, a lot of major cities, including our own here in Chicago, but a lot of the major cities, Chicago, New York, Los Angeles, San Francisco, have obviously been, or well, not obviously, but they have been a lot slower to reopen, to reopen right. for various reasons. Some people would say because it's more complex in the city school system. Others of it would put it on strong teachers, union, other mm-hmm. things like that. Uh, but Mayor de Blasio came out with a uh, really important announcement about what it's going to look like in the fall. Let's give that a listen here for a second. New York City public schools, one million kids will be back in their classroom in September, all in person, no remote. Wow. That's the news. I think parents, kids, everyone's been waiting for to know we're going to be back Oof. strong, ready, safe. COVID is plummeting in this city, I'm happy to say. We're almost to 8 million vaccination doses since day one. And it's just amazing to see the forward motion right now, the recovery that's happening in New York City. But you can't have a full recovery without full strength schools, everyone back sitting in those classrooms, kids learning again. All right, so he says there's not going to be a remote learning option, yeah. except... In some very extreme cases where people, where students for health reasons can't come. But right. by and large, which this is a really big deal because uh, you think of uh, the city of Chicago, they've been remote a lot yes. this year. Uh, but you and I both have kids. You've got kids, yep. uh, what, next year, with high school next year? Next year, high school, middle, and elementary. I healthy. had that this year. Next yeah, year, okay. I will have, next year, I will have high school, yeah, senior, by the way. Whoa, that's Nuts. big. I will have high school and then two in the middle school next year. Uh, and here's here's my thing. If the, if my kids never do a minute of remote learning again, I will be thrilled yeah. by that. Yeah. So when I hear de Blasio doing this, I'm like, please, everybody do this. Uh, and I know there's people out there who disagree. I just think remote learning, while it served a purpose. Certainly. We are now at the point vaccinations. We know how to treat this mm-hmm. thing. All sorts of other ways. We're at the point where I feel like, especially also what we know about uh, the relatively um, 
how it affects kids, but also differently than adults. Yes, and also how kids are not much spreaders. Of, right, uh, right. Of of COVID nineteen. Right. For all of those reasons, I am increasingly of the belief. I was having this uh, conversation with my high school daughter the other day, where schools should be at the front end of reopening, and whereas right now they feel very reactive to yeah. me. Like yeah. I think. Quite frankly, I think that when our kids go back to school in the fall, they're going to be wearing masks, and I don't think that should be needed oh, at all. Oh, I am all. so with you on that. I am pr- I'm literally praying that they don't have to wear them in the fall. I'm afraid they are going to mm-hmm. have to, but I am with you. I think it, it will be time by then to let's get our kids back to what used to be, nor- quote-unquote, normal school, right. no masks. I think if you need to keep them distance, keep dividers up, fine, right? But I... You know, interestingly, too, this is anecdotal, so you can't really prove this, but a lot of the cases that are happening with kids, at least in our school district, that are getting COVID, it's not even from school. It's like play dates, yes. right? Or it's someone else in their home. Uh, there was a family reunion, and somehow they got So it, it doesn't even seem like there's that much transmission at school right now. And so I would love, uh, for the sake of their souls and their yes. social lives, I, I, I long to see Let's that for my kiddos. Let's talk about that in a second. Yeah. When- uh, there's a story anecdotally uh, at our elementary school. They have not for the entire year. The kids can go outside, but they can't go on the playground. They right. do not let them on the playground. Right. And you're like, they also don't let them kick a ball until like a week ago. But mm. that's a whole nother story. Yeah. But they can't go on the playground. But you know what happens when the bell rings and they get out of school? They run out on the playground? Like a horde. <laughs> because right. now it's outside school hours. Parents are there. Yeah. And you're just like. We got to get logical about yeah. this at some point. But let's end this. I think you brought up the most important point because remote learning, math, it's annoying. Yes. As a parent, it's super annoying. Yes. But we have learned also there's kids that are just quickly falling behind. Yes. Be in, and because whether they're not even attending remote class right. or this and that. And also, uh, we know mental health issues, suicide rates, yes. all of this in yes. our students, especially in the high school level, has been off the charts this year. Yes. For those reasons, don't you think, uh, for me, those are compelling enough to go, okay, there might be a really slim COVID issue, but that's not worth the trade-off. The goal is never that nobody ever gets COVID. Right. And so because of that, let's we've got to get these students back to normal. I'm using air quotes. Yes. Normal schooling, at least by the fall. Yeah. I mean, we've done the work of what online school needed to do, flatten the curve, help uh, eradicate COVID as much as possible until we got the vaccine. We're there now. I am with you. I feel like the 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 downside of continuing to have them at home. Yes. I mean, the anxiety that it's causing, some of even like the weird habits it's causing, as far as um, some of the anxiety ticks or what have you, and then the the lack of social life. I just I worry about grades going down. I worry yes. about emotions going down. It, I just feel like you, Brian. I need it to go back for those kiddos. I do as well, just for the sake of our kids. And I would encourage people out there who think that we are like being whatever. I I would encourage you just as the same way when we closed everything, the mantra was follow the science. Look at this. Follow the science now and look at what the science is saying and come to your conclusion that way instead of going, well, no, I I just don't want I don't I can't get there. Ask the questions why. And, and uh, hopefully we get to the point here where our kids don't have to go through a year like they did this year. Again, I think there was many things that were necessary about this Absolutely. year. Absolutely. Do I wish it went faster in the opening? Sure. But I understand why it didn't. But I don't think there's any reason by the fall 
that we haven't come to terms with how things are. Well, coming up next, uh, an author and pastor by the name of Frank Viola said something about uh, where is God when our li- when our when there is trouble in our lives. Uh, is it a sign that God's not there? What do we do when the hard times hit? We're going to have that conversation next here on The Common Good. AM 1160, hope for your life. Hey, friends, welcome back to The Common Good. AM 1160, hope for your life. Alongside Aubrey Sampson, my name is Brian Fromm. Might be a little presumptuous of me to call them friends, but I like to think anyone who's listening right now, they're not hate listening. Yeah, they're not rage listening. No. They're, yeah, they're our common goodies, gooders. They're, they're what did we decide? Us. Are they we goodies or gooders? On nothing. <laughs> well, we need you to decide, listeners. Do you want to be common goodies or common gooders? <laughs> goodies feels like it, but yeah, goodies I'm not sure feels right. Either of those are going to stick. All right, a guy by the name of Frank Viola. I love. He's an author, former pastor. But for me, it always confuses me because I'm a New York Mets fan, and when I was younger, there was an all star pitcher by the name of Frank Viola. So oh, and so you're like, like, oh, I'm like, did the lefty from the Mets from the mid '80s Mets and Twins become end up a, pastor? a pastoral book? <laughs> uh, but this is a different guy, same name, different guy. Maybe they're connected or related I somehow. I do not believe that to be the case. In fact, if you look at his Wikipedia at the top, it says for the baseball player, see Frank Viola here. Uh, like okay, not the same guy. Uh, you might know the name Frank Viola, the author. He wrote famously a book called, along with uh, Bar- George Barno, called Pagan Christianity. You also said you knew of his book, Reimagining Church. Mm-hmm. He's really taken very a critical look at the institutional church, the modern day evangelical church, and tried to go back to be like, uh, where are we? In fact, literally, he takes some of what he sees in the modern day church and links it more to paganism than the early church. It's Yikes. pretty crazy. I'd encourage yeah. people... Uh, if you want to be challenged, go pick up pagan Christianity. You won't agree with all of it. Some of it will make you mad, but it will at least make you think. He is, so he's an author, speaker, and blogger. Why am I bringing him up? Because something I read that he wrote on Twitter, I found to be a really important theological idea that I, that I would love for us to tackle. He says this. Frank Viola writes on Twitter, Sometimes God will deliver you from trouble. Oftentimes, he will deliver you through it. Mm-hmm. Sometimes God will destro- uh, destroy you. Sometimes God will <laughs> deliver you from trouble. Oftentimes, he will deliver you through it. Okay, agree, disagree, and why uh, is this an important theological uh, pastoral uh, mm-hmm. idea that Frank Viola puts forth here? Yeah, I mean, I think I, well, I wholeheartedly agree. We see from the story of the Israelites in slavery mm. all the way to the disciples that it is through suffering that we are sanctified. Paul mm. talks about that, that it really is. It really is as we align ourselves with Christ's suffering through our own suffering, that Christ's presence is made manifest. That's and right. as we are made more like Christ, Christ's likeness comes through us. I mean, I think this is just biblical period from mm-hmm. Genesis to revelation that we are we are not saved from suffering. We are saved through it. And, and, and that's why I think why James can say rejoice in suffering, right. right? Because it, it actually um, conforms you to be more like Christ and produces these beautiful gifts in you. Certainly that's not fun. Nope. Certainly I don't think any of us want to be saved through our suffering. Um, I think we'd rather be saved from it. And of course we know that uh, the, both things are true, right? Mm-hmm. There are things that we're protected of from that I don't even think we know we're protected from. But as we all know, looking back in our lives, it is those times when we have gone through the 
deepest heartache, mm-hmm. the deepest trauma, that when we have allowed God to meet us there, he has done the most transformative, right. beautiful work in our That's lives. Right. Why do you think for us in the Western church in particular, uh, why is it, um, I suspect where we live, not, I don't mean in the Chicagoland, I mean here in the West, mm-hmm. United States, uh, that this idea of suffering and where is God in the midst of suffering yeah. is particularly a stumbling block. Absolutely. Why do you agree with that? So you say absolutely. Why is that statement a true statement? Yeah, it's so hard to reconcile God being good. Uh, there's a there's a theologian, a, Fran- a French theologian named Henri Blochet, and he talks about the hardest things to hold at once are God is good, evil is evil, and both things are exist at the same That's time. Right. <laughs> you yeah. know what I mean? Like that is literally such a difficult proposition of our faith, and I guess particularly in the West. Because we are sort of like pull up our bootstraps, climb to the top of the ladder, experience success. Like that's the thing we value in America. That's the thing we see as success. And I think that's the thing we see as, oh, God has blessed that person. That's right. That's right? right. Because they've had success. And so it really is a paradigm shift to go look at someone who's suffering like a Job on earth now and go, oh, God has really blessed them. That's right. <laughs> that's know? right. I think the, uh, you, you hit it. And I think we value here in the West so high uh, without even knowing we do it, we we so value uh, comfort. Right. Because uh, think about what's the point of when we work? It's to amass enough stuff so I can retire and kind of put my feet up. Mm-hmm. What do the, the people that we uh, most aspire to be or are jealous of or we look, we hold up the richer, the you know, the really wealthy people? What do yeah. they have? We hold up their kind of comfort stuff, right? Totally. They get that, to go on vacation. They have this great Jeff car. Be- did they- you see Jeff Bezos' new yacht, this $500 million yacht? No, I did not. Google it at some point today. Wow, and you okay. Will, you will stumble a little bit out of jealousy. Okay. You know, okay. Comfort is held up as a high, yeah. high thing. Yeah. And we trust as Christ followers that God can take the trouble away. Right. He has the ability because right. we believe him to be all powerful. That's right. So therefore, if comfort is the greatest end and God is all powerful, we we kind of put those together and go, God's greatest goal for me is my comfort. Yeah. And that's not biblical. Right. It's more American. It's more Western. Right. And so when we conflate those two and then we struggle with stuff, we go, well, God just. God let me down or God yeah. disappointed me. And we end up looking at the failure as if the failure yes. is God's. Yes. Yeah. And so God either forgot about me mm-hmm. or God's not all powerful mm-hmm. or everything we've been told to believe about God isn't true. Like if that's not true, mm-hmm. then this can't be true and this can't be true. When in reality, when we open up the words of the scriptures, God, Jesus himself says in this life, you will have trouble. In fact, yep. he more or less says. If you follow me, you're going to have more trouble. Right, right. And you talk about the Israelites. God never pulled them out. Right. And you talk about Job and, and all these other ones where you go, yeah, okay, there seems to actually be a common thread where Paul is writing Philippians about rejoicing chained to a prison exactly, wall. Exactly, exactly. So let's get this a little more practical for people. Someone out there right now going through difficulties. <sighs> it's, you've talked about your own health problems back yep. in the day. You've talked yep. about things. How about... The people right now going through health problems, financial problems, relational problems, mm-hmm. whatever else it might be. Mm-hmm. Uh, what's the word of encouragement to them? Because it's one yeah. thing for them to hear us say, you're going to struggle. They're yeah. going, obviously, but right. they want to remain faithful. Mm-hmm. They trust in Jesus. What's what's an encouragement that we could give to them? I think two, th- the two things that come to mind immediately. One, and this is easier said than done. But you can really rejoice because it does mean that God is making you more like Jesus. Mm. And I think just to stop and go, 
Why am I going through this hardship? Okay, it's because there is something in me that God is making me more like Christ. And that's painful and that's hard, but this Mm. is going to be at the ultimately for God's glory and for my good, because that's how good God is. We know those things are true about God. And I think the other thing to remember is that we have a God who does not suffer, does not stand distant from our suffering, Mm -hmm. right? God Mm -hmm. is nearby. God promises that he is Emmanuel with us. Psalm says that he is close to the brokenhearted and rescues those who are crushed in spirit. And so the reality is that we don't have answers we have God's presence, mm-hmm. and he is at work writing a greater story than we could ever imagine, as long as we continue to submit to him in the middle of our hardship. Absolutely. Uh, just that verse we can all hold on to, that God is near to the brokenhearted. Amen. And uh, yeah, it's hard. I would encourage, Aubrey did not ask me to do this, but she wrote a book about lament. I would encourage you to go grab it. It's a great resource for uh, this sort of thing that we are talking about. thought that was really important when I saw that on Twitter. Uh, because this is in this world, you will have trouble mm-hmm. and God is delivering us through our troubles. He says, oftentimes, Frank Viola says not from our troubles. Well, coming up next, one of increasingly our favorite things to do on the show, a top five. We list. love these. This one's going to be Memorial Day, uh, kind of inspired. If you want to know what it is, stay with us as we do our top five list next here on the common good AM 1160. Hope for your life. Hey, friends, welcome back to The Common Good here on AM 1160, Hope for Your Life. Alongside Aubrey Sampson, my name is Brian Fromm. So glad to have you with us today. Before I tell you what the top five list of the day is going to be, we need to listen to our awesome top five open. Top five, top five, top five, top five, top five things with Brian and Aubrey. I just love that. Okay. Just going to say that every time. Just every time. That. It's Memorial Day the weekend coming up. And so we thought in light of it being Memorial Day weekend, when we start doing summary yeah. things, you know, the pool, the beat, whatever else it might be. When we start doing summary things, one of those things we all love in the summer is ice cream. Ice cream in the summer. Top five ice cream. Top five ice cream flavors. Ice cream. No scream. We all scream for ice cream. That is our top five list for today. As we always do, we go from number five to number one. And Aubrey, I am going to let you go first today. Ah, I knew you were going to do that. Okay. Uh, you will see one brand featured on my list a couple times. Two brands, really. But uh, I love Ben & Jerry's ice cream. Are these going to be actual flavors? They are actual flavors. What do you mean by it? What is that question? Well, Ben and Jerry, they like. What is that question? You just asked me with all that judgment, Brian. Mixes stuff together and turns it into a weird name like Cherry Garcia or other things. Or a super creative name with delicious ice cream. So you should have set some ground rules here earlier. (laughs) I disagree with that. All right. Number five is. (laughs) I can't even say the title. Ooey Gooey Cake. It's a, it's a birthday badly. cake. It's a birthday cake flavored ice cream by Ben and Jerry's. It is amazing. So delicious and hard to find. <laughs> birthday cake. You can find it anywhere, Brian. Birthday cake ice cream. Okay. We are going to be off and running to uh, just how different we're going to be here. Because I gave a nod to old school at number oh. one and number five. Vanilla. Oh, vanilla. 
I'm solid. Gonna go vanilla. You're going to see vanilla show up on my list too, Brian. I love vanilla because it is the base. It is the base to which you put other things on top of, right? Well, caramel. that's what I was going to ask you. What do you put on top of your vanilla ice caramel. cream? Yeah, love now caramel. you're talking. All yeah. right, number yeah, five is vanilla good. that goes up against ooey gooey <laughs> birthday cake. That's right. All right, <laughs> number four for me, also Ben and Jerry's. Sure, it is. This is um, <laughs> vanilla, vanilla. <laughs> this is called <laughs> half baked, and it is. Please explain. It is cookie dough and brownies mixed with chocolate and vanilla froyo. Half baked froyo. It is amazing. It's not a flavor. Yes, it is, Brian. Oh, you can good. buy it in the store. It's a flavor. Half baked. <laughs> okay, number four for me. I feel like we're giving two very different <laughs> lists here. Number four for me, Rocky Road. Oh, Rocky Road. Solid choice. I do. I, you know what? I don't really like chocolate ice cream all that much, uh, but something about Rocky Road and the mixture of stuff, I really do enjoy. I'll be honest, though. I don't like um, like a nut in my ice cream, so Rocky Road doesn't do it for me. That's fair. I'm sure somewhere uh, <laughs> sure we're going to see a nut show up here somewhere. <laughs> well, I hope you're ready for my next one. Okay. W- once again, this is a Ben. <laughs> Sure Jerry's. it is. Top five sponsored by Ben and Jerry's. Sure it is. I don't think you can do that, but go ahead. This one is called Fish Food. Oh my and it, it's, wait, gooey marshmallow with caramel swirls and fudge fish all in an ice cream. Yeah. After the band Fish, Fish Food. Really good. Our producer, Debbie, is so disappointed in you as well right now. <laughs> you, you mean she's so proud of me. She couldn't be more excited. We are mutually disappointed in you right now. <laughs> this isn't fair because I can't see our producer's face, but Brian here's, can. Here's what this should have been. It's, if we ever do top five ice cream flavors again, it's going to be if you were walking into an ice cream shop and they said, ma'am, what would you like in your cone? <laughs> I don't think you could say fish food. Okay, my next two are more like that if it makes okay. you feel better. Number three for me. Wait, at a Ben and Jerry shop, you could say fish food. <laughs> I want you to look at our producer. <laughs> Number All right, you three go. for me, chocolate chip cookie dough. Oh, that's a solid choice. Yes, chocolate yes. chip with some cookie dough pieces in it. I'm a, I'm a fan. I'm a fan. Okay. All right. You Number- said these next two are yeah, somewhat normal for these you. These are somewhat normal for everyone. Okay. Okay. My number two is your number five. I'm going with vanilla. But from Bluebell, Bluebell's vanilla, which is Bluebell ice cream, is some of the greatest ice cream on the planet. What? And their vanilla, homestyle vanilla, is unbeatable. What makes it? I'm not even gonna ask because they swirl in this. And that. <laughs> <laughs> no, it just takes. It tastes very homemade. Okay. However, they accomplish that. They do it well. I did grow up with a family friends who made homemade ice cream. Oh, there's nothing like that. My grandparents used to make homemade ice cream. And then uh, my friend who, from that family, he bought Carrie and I for our birth uh, for our wedding. He got us a homemade ice cream maker. And it was way too complex. We never used it. Yeah. They're kind of hard to use, but that ice cream is so good. Yeah. Okay. All right. Number two for me, uh, I like black raspberry. Oh. Yes. Like I, uh, especially in a, in a milkshake, I will have that, but I do like uh, black raspberry ice cream. You're you're looking at me like this was I'm looking at our producer to be like, surely you have a feeling about that. Black raspberry. That's like medicine on ice cream. No, it's wonderful. I think I don't know if I like fruit ice cream you, you, either. I think what you don't know is whether you like actual ice cream. <laughs> I think that's what but you... I've never heard anyone have black raspberry before. I, I'm After seeing your list, I feel good when we disagree here. Okay. Black so, raspberry does sound like a refined person's ice cream, Next time cream, you though. go through like a Culver's or something, yeah. get it. And you will, you will appreciate it. You will enjoy it. I'm... 
I'm, I'm confident. Okay, I'm skeptical, but I'll I'll do it for you. All right, I'm at number one now. Do you have any uh, any honorable mentions? I feel like you're not going to like them, so I'm not going <laughs> to say them out loud. What are uh, your me, honorable mentions? I didn't, I didn't write any down. Let me ask you about a really controversial ice cream, and then we'll get what both of our number, number one. one? I, I'm pretty okay. confident it's not. Okay. Uh, thoughts on mint chocolate chip? Oh, oh, oh. Yes, that is controversial. So Kevin and my son Lincoln are obsessed with mint chocolate chip. I am not a fan. Mm-mm. I don't, I just like I don't want my ice cream to taste like fruit, for instance, black raspberry. <laughs> I also don't want it to taste like gum or toothpaste. But you like all grape flavored candy. Yes, I like all grape flavored well, two no things can be true at once, Brian. What do you think about I, mint chocolate chip? It's funny you bring up uh, our kids. My son, Jackson, loves mint chocolate chip. Okay. Loves it, loves it, loves it. Yeah. The rest of the family, including myself, hates it. Yeah. So he he does enjoy the fact that if we have it in the house, yeah. he's getting it. Yeah. Because nobody else No one else it. is going to have it. He even one time got it in a milkshake, and it was the most gross-looking thing because it then so nasty. blends up all the chocolate Kevin chips Kevin goes and gets well. those shamrock shakes at McDonald's no, that are like no, not even mint no. chocolate chip. They're just like pure mint. Yes. Those are gross. gross. Okay, yeah. speaking of gross, your number one ice cream flavor. <laughs> I feel flavor. like you're going to be proud of me because this is like you could order it anywhere. Good. And yes, that so. is salted caramel ice cream. It is my favorite okay. of all time. I will always get it. I especially like it on a pretzel cone because then you get more salty with the cone. I did. Okay, I will affirm your last one. Thank you, Brian. You are welcome. I appreciate that, oh, king of ice cream. <laughs> <laughs> that was very condescending. I appreciate that. All right, my number one and you are going to hate this. Oh no. I've, we've only been doing this show a month or two and I already know you are going to hate this oh, one. No. But my number one flavored ice cream is black cherry. Yeah. I know you made a comment about it before yeah. about I all feel, cherry things. I feel disappointed in you. Please. Let's go black, look back at your oh, Okay. How is black cherry different than black raspberry? This is a sincere question. Like, could I tell the difference if I was eating them? Hold on. Ask the question. (laughs) No, no, no. Don't say one is raspberry, one is cherry. But that's the answer. It's the same, though, right? They don't at all. Come on. All right. Today. Cherry is cough medicine. Ask Kevin to take you to an ice cream place and ask them to taste test the cherry and the raspberry ice cream. Side by side. Taste them, and you're going to laugh at yourself for suggesting they might okay. be anything similar. I, get, I just don't know if I even want the taste test of them. All right. That is maybe the most ridiculous top five list yet that we have done. <laughs> I but feel I like appreciate that was it. pretty fantastic. That was good. It's, that was it's good. varied. It, that is for There's sure. There's lots of options for people to respond to. Let us know, listeners, what your favorite ice creams yes. are. Where did we mess up, and where should we have gotten better? Where, where should Brian stop eating fruit ice cream? Did, where did you mess up? <laughs> there you go. A lot of them. You guys, you guys can see that up at Facebook, Twitter, Instagram, at Common Good Talk. Well, coming up next, we are going to end the week, not just the show, but the week, trying to provide you with some good news. We want to send you with a smile off into Memorial Day weekend. We're going to do that with a little segment we call The Good News Network. Coming up next here on The Common Good, AM 1160, hope for your life. Hey, friends, welcome back to The Common Good, AM 1160, Hope for Your Life. Alongside Aubrey Sampson, my name is Brian Fromm. It is not just the end of the show, it is the end of the week, off into a three-day weekend, Memorial Day weekend. And we hope that you're looking forward to a good weekend and that you get an extra day off and can enjoy it with your family. This is the unofficial start of summer. 
That's so right. you can start wearing white again, right? Like white pants only between Memorial Day and Labor Day. White pants think. and white shoes, I think, is the other white thing you can Except start wearing. Except if you're in Florida, you can wear them all the time. But is that a thing still? I've I have heard that those fashion so. things don't hold anymore. Yeah, I don't think that's true anymore. I'm sure there's some people who really hold to it. But. I feel like I know your husband well enough to know that he's probably a white pants guy. Yeah, he's definitely a white pants, white shirt, white hat, all white guy. No, he doesn't own any white pants. There's no white pants in our house. He did, by the way, have to buy some white Nike Air Force Ones for this wedding we're doing this weekend. This is his first pair of white tennis shoes. And let me tell you, we didn't know these things were such a hot commodity. It is hard to find Air Force Ones. They go into the store and then they're gone like that. Did he have to buy Air Force Ones? He had to buy Air Force Ones for this wedding that we're partaking in this weekend. Wow. Yeah, they were particular about what they wanted us to wear. So he's going to have white shoes on. Okay. Yep. He seems like a white pants guy. He should rectify that. Okay. I'll talk to him about that. Are you a white pants guy, Brian? <laughs> oh, no, 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 no. <laughs> I don't I, know if I know many white pants guys in general. I'm going to go out on a limb and say you're married to one. Okay. All right. I feel we'll, like we'll you see. can pull out. That should be your thing this year. Okay. Like, yeah. See, like just introduce it and see like what the people in your sphere think. If they're like, man, what's up with the white pants? Or if they're like, I love the white pants. Okay. Well, maybe we'll start with white shorts subtly oh. and then just work our way down All to in. like, Okay, you think all in, all in. straight up white pants. Between Memorial Day and Labor Day. <laughs> See what all happens. in. Kevin Sampson in white pants. I'd be all for that. This feels good. All right. So one of the things that we've been doing, especially during the pandemic, is to try to end the show with some challenge or some encouragement, mm-hmm. but also with some inspiration. And a couple months ago, we found a website called the goodnewsnetwork.org. That's goodnewsnetwork.org. And it's just full of really nice stories. Oh, they're such uplifting stories. They're so fun. This is not like to make a point. It's not like to, you know, challenge. it's just going, hey, we want to send you into your weekend with a smile yeah, on your face. Yeah. And so Aubrey and I are going to read a couple different stories that if you want to see more of them or they come with pictures, you can go to goodnewsnetwork.org. That's goodnewsnetwork.org. I've got the first one. Man inspires town during lockdown, spelling out messages with rubber duckies in his front yard. (laughs) Come on. I just wanted to say duckies. That's nice. People are traveling across town to see the rubber duckies being arranged into inspiring messages that are quacking up the neighborhood. Stop it. Stop it. Jim Preston came up with a unique way to make people smile during lockdown from his 14th Avenue home in Menlo Park, California. He gets up at the quack of dawn (laughs) and uses the yellow toy ducks to spell out words of hope, encouragement, and wisdom and has been doing it for months. Uh, uh, Shandrama Anderson told Good News Network that photos were being posted on the app next door, but that she began seeing the creations on her daily walk. For my husband's 60th birthday, when there weren't many ways to make a birthday special, I asked Jim to use the ducks to spell out happy birthday, Locke, and he did. Come on, she that's cool. She said he was thrilled. I love that the guy's name was Locke, Lockdown. Yeah, that's uh, yeah, really yeah. perfect. Even if the message is not created specifically for you, it's easy to believe the uplifting sidewalk art comes straight from the heart. The heart of a town, wise quacker. <laughs> Did you come up with that or was no. that in the article? In the wow, article. they really got all the quacking puns they there could. There you go. There That's you a go. great somewhere story. Ian, somewhere Ian Simpkins is smiling from <laughs> that many puns in one story. I love that story. Okay, here's another one that's very cool. Google flies in to help Girl Scouts with cookie sales shortfall, delivering thousands of boxes via drone. You can actually watch the video of all the boxes if you go to thegoodnewsnetwork.org. In early April, Girl Scouts are experiencing a 50% shortfall in cookie sales with reduced foot traffic and the pandemic limiting their ability to sell their iconic cookies in person. 
and eating into their annual activity budgets. That was a good pun, too. So Google's delivery service, which is called Wing, began talking to a local Girl, Girl Scout troop in Christiansburg, Virginia, where they run America's first and only residential delivery service via drone. <laughs> um, now, enthusiasm and sales are soaring with local scouts selling cookies in, his, in an entirely new way. So residents in Christiansburg can get samosas, thin mints, peanut butter patties, and more favorites throw, flown through the sky and dropped directly at their door. Isn't that great? It is. I hate the Thin Mint, but others' cookies are good. So what do you think of Google and Amazon, though, using drones? Oh, I have such mixed feelings about it. Like, I mean, this is cool. Cookies falling cookies from the sky is pretty <laughs> awesome. I can see how in other countries it's helpful, especially if you need to drop food, but... It's, you know, feels very sort of weird and questionable. Yeah. All right. Sheldon the dog flunked out of service animal training, but became an ace at sniffing out arson. When one door closes, the saying goes, another door opens. For one very special pooch, it appears that adage also applies to doggy doors. <laughs> Man, they're a full pun today, aren't they? They are really having It'll, some pun. It'll, A Labrador, I'm surprised you don't have an ice cream that's like, pun fun uh, from Ben and Jerry's. A Labrador retriever mixed Sheldon, mixed name Sheldon, was enrolled in a program to become a service dog. Uh, Training at pause with a cause in Wayland, Michigan. Unfortunately, he couldn't quite make the grade. Whenever he'd catch a whiff of something interesting, Sheldon's concentration flew out the window and all he wanted to do was hunt down the source. But the very thing that made him a washout as a service dog meant he was very likely perfect for another canine career. Rather than return him to civilian life, Sheldon was transferred to the State Farm Arson Dog Program, where his sensitive nose soon put him at the top of the class for sniffing out the accelerants used to light illegal fires. Paired with Lieutenant John Tadlock of Saginaw, Texas Fire Department, after his graduation, Sheldon went on to become the department's premier accelerant detection canine. I didn't know there were accelerant detection canines. I don't think I did either. That's awesome. Yep, yep. And so it goes on to tell us that he was he's now just excelling as a as a dog who can sniff out potential fire uh, trouble so after cool. failing his school. Way to go, Way to Sheldon. Go. Everyone has a purpose, even dogs. I love that. Okay, here's a, another one. This is like a landmark. Uh, History-making, a valeria, uh, malaria vaccine is 77% effective, tackling one of the world's biggest killers of young Children, mosquitoes are one of the deadliest animals on the planet because they spread yellow fever, dengue, encephalitis, and malaria, which I told you, Brian, off air that Kevin and I had malaria in our time in Zambia. It's horrible. It killed 400,000 people in 2019, but now there's finally clinical trials of the promising R21 in R21 vaccine. It may be an effective pool, tool against the disease as it triggers the body's immune system to attack the parasite and has been 77% effective in phase to trials that is massive because big deal. the majority of especially the third world is just overrun by malaria and other mosquito-borne diseases so this would be game changer that would be, when you huge. guys lived in malaria did you have to sleep in a bed with a net yeah when we lived in zambia we didn't zambia. live in malaria yeah <laughs> <laughs> when we, we did we slept in a bed uh with a net and we tucked it under every single night and made sure we were fully covered we traveled with it <laughs> it's terrible. friday you know so i've been to africa once and I, that took some getting used to the mm-hmm. net around you somewhat claustrophobic yeah uh, lots of good stuff at the good news network there's one here about a penguin 
in Antarctica leaping into a passing tourist boat. You get to watch that. Just a lot of fun stuff there. Well, we're glad that you joined us today, Aubrey. Uh, give our people just a a send off into uh, into Memorial Day weekend. Oh wow! Aren't you uh, remember to pray for those who have served our country in the military. Remember honor those who have gone before them. And uh, have a great time with your family. Be in the present moment. Try not to worry about Tuesday. Yes. But it, uh, treat yourself this weekend to a whole Sabbath. Enjoy being with the Lord. Enjoy being outside. Enjoy your people. That's a good word. Well, we're glad that you joined us all week for Aubrey Sampson. My name is Brian Fromm. Thanks so much for joining us. And you have been listening to The Common Good here on AM 1160. Hope for your life.